Chapter Two of A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life by William Law. Chapter Two An Inquiry into the Reason why the generality of christians fall so far short of the holiness and devotion of christianity it may now be reasonably inquired how it comes to pass that the lives even of the better sort of people are thus strangely contrary to the principles of christianity but before i give a direct answer to this i desire it may also be inquired how it comes to pass that swearing is so common a vice amongst christians it is indeed not yet so common amongst women as it is amongst men but amongst men this sin is so common that perhaps there are more than two in three that are guilty of it through the whole course of their lives swearing more or less just as it happens some constantly others only now and then as it were by chance now i ask how comes it that two in three of the men are guilty of so gross and profane a sin as this there is neither ignorance nor human infirmity to plead for it it is against an express commandment and the most plain doctrine of our blessed saviour do but now find the reason why the generality of men live in this notorious vice and then you will have found the reason why the generality even of the better sort of people live so contrary to christianity now the reason of common swearing is this it is because men have not so much as the intention to please god in all their actions for let a man but have so much piety as to intend to please god in all the actions of his life as the happiest and best thing in the world and then he will never swear more it will be as impossible for him to swear whilst he feels this intention within himself as it is impossible for a man that intends to please his prince to go up and abuse him to his face it seems but a small and necessary part of piety to have such a sincere intention as this and that he has no reason to look upon himself as a disciple of christ who is not thus far advanced in piety and yet it is purely for want of this degree of piety that you see such a mixture of sin and folly in the lives even of the better sort of people it is for want of this intention that you see men that profess religion yet live in swearing and sensuality that you see clergymen given to pride and covetousness and worldly enjoyments it is for want of this intention that you see women that profess devotion yet living in all the folly and vanity of dress wasting their time in idleness and pleasure and in all such instances of state and equipage as their estates will reach for let but a woman feel her heart full of this intention and she will find it as impossible to patch or paint as to curse or swear she will no more desire to shine at balls and assemblies or make a figure amongst those that are most finely dressed 
then she will desire to dance upon a rope to please spectators she will know that the one is as far from the wisdom and excellency of the christian spirit as the other it was this general intention that made the primitive christians such eminent instances of piety that made the goodly fellowship of the saints and all the glorious army of martyrs and confessors and if you will here stop and ask yourself why you are not as pious as the primitive christians were your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor inability but purely because you never thoroughly intended it you observe the same sunday worship that they did and you are strict in it because it is your full intention to be so and when you as fully intend to be like them in their ordinary common life when you intend to please god in all your actions you will find it as possible as to be strictly exact in the service of the church and when you have this intention to please god in all your actions as the happiest and best thing in the world you will find in you as great an aversion to everything that is vain and impertinent in common life whether of business or pleasure as you now have to anything that is profane you will be as fearful of living in any foolish way either of spending your time or your fortune as you are now fearful of neglecting the public worship now who that wants this general sincere intention can be reckoned a christian and yet if it was amongst christians it would change the whole face of the world true piety and exemplary holiness would be as common and visible as buying and selling or any trade in life let a clergyman be but thus pious and he will converse as if he had been brought up by an apostle he will no more think and talk of noble preferment than of noble eating or a glorious chariot he will no more complain of the frowns of the world or a small cure or the want of a patron than he will complain of the want of a laced coat or a running horse let him but intend to please god in all his actions as the happiest and best thing in the world and then he will know that there is nothing noble in a clergyman but burning zeal for the salvation of souls nor anything poor in his profession but idleness and a worldly spirit again let a tradesman but have this intention and it will make him a saint in his shop his everyday business will be a course of wise and reasonable actions made holy to god by being done in obedience to his will and pleasure he will buy and sell and labor and travel because by so doing he can do some good to himself and others but then as nothing can please god but what is wise and reasonable and holy so he will neither buy nor sell nor labor in any other manner nor to any other end but such as may be shewn to be wise and reasonable and holy he will therefore consider not what arts or methods or application will soonest make him richer and greater than his brethren or remove him from a shop to a life of state and pleasure but he will consider what arts what methods what application can make worldly business most acceptable to god and make a life of trade 
a life of holiness devotion and piety this will be the temper and spirit of every tradesman he cannot stop short of these degrees of piety whenever it is his intention to please god in all his actions as the best and happiest thing in the world and on the other hand whoever is not of this spirit and temper in his trade and profession and does not carry it on only so far as is best subservient to a wise and holy and heavenly life it is certain that he has not this intention and yet without it who can be shewn to be a follower of jesus christ again let the gentlemen of birth and fortune but have this intention and you will see how it will carry him from every appearance of evil to every instance of piety and goodness he cannot live by chance or as humor and fancy carry him because he knows that nothing can please god but a wise and regular course of life he cannot live in idleness and indulgence in sports and gaming in pleasures and intemperance in vain expenses and high living because these things cannot be turned into means of piety and holiness or made so many parts of a wise and religious life as he thus removes from all appearance of evil so he hastens and aspires after every instance of goodness he does not ask what is allowable and pardonable but what is commendable and praiseworthy he does not ask whether god will forgive the folly of our lives the madness of our pleasures the vanity of our expenses the richness of our equipage and the careless consumption of our time but he asks whether god is pleased with these things or whether these are the appointed ways of gaining his favor he does not inquire whether it be pardonable to hoard up money to adorn ourselves with diamonds and gild our chariots whilst the widow and the orphan the sick and the prisoner want to be relieved but he asks whether god has required these things at our hands whether we shall be called to account at the last day for the neglect of them because it is not his intent to live in such ways as for aught we know god may perhaps pardon but to be diligent in such ways as we know that god will infallibly reward he will not therefore look at the lives of christians to learn how he ought to spend his estate but he will look into the scriptures and make every doctrine parable precept or instruction that relates to rich men a law to himself in the use of his estate he will have nothing to do with costly apparel because the rich man in the gospel was clothed with purple and fine linen he denies himself the pleasures and indulgences which his estate could procure because our blessed saviour saith woe unto you that are rich for ye have received your consolation he will have but one rule for charity and that will be to spend all that he can that way because the judge of quick and dead hath said that all that is so given is given to him he will have no hospitable table for the rich and wealthy to come and feast with him in good eating and drinking because our blessed lord saith when thou makest a dinner call not thy friends nor thy brethren 
neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made thee but when thou makest a feast call the poor the maimed the lame the blind and thou shalt be blessed for they cannot recompense thee but thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just luke chapter fourteen verses twelve thirteen fourteen he will waste no money in gilded roofs or costly furniture he will not be carried from pleasure to pleasure in expensive state and equipage because an inspired apostle hath said that all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world let not any one look upon this as an imaginary description of charity that looks fine in the notion but cannot be put in practice for it is so far from being an imaginary impracticable form of life that it has been practiced by great numbers of christians in former ages who were glad to turn their whole estates into a constant course of charity and it is so far from being impossible now that if we can find any christians that sincerely intend to please god in all their actions as the best and happiest thing in the world whether they be young or old single or married men or women if they have but this intention it will be impossible for them to do otherwise this one principle will infallibly carry them to this height of charity and they will find themselves unable to stop short of it for how is it possible for a man that intends to please god in the use of his money and intends it because he judges it to be his greatest happiness how is it possible for such a one in such a state of mind to bury his money in needless impertinent finery in covering himself or his horses with gold whilst there are any works of piety and charity to be done with it or any ways of spending it well this is as strictly impossible as for a man that intends to please god in his words to go into company on purpose to swear and lie for as all waste and unreasonable expense is done designedly and with deliberation so no one can be guilty of it whose constant intention is to please god in the use of his money i have chosen to explain this matter by appealing to this intention because it makes the case so plain and because every one that has a mind may see it in the clearest light and feel it in the strongest manner only by looking into his own heart for it is as easy for every person to know whether he intends to please god in all his actions as for any servant to know whether this be his intention towards his master every one also can as easily tell how he lays out his money and whether he considers how to please god in it as he can tell where his estate is and whether it be in money or land so that here is no plea left for ignorance or frailty as to this matter everybody is in the light and everybody has power and no one can fail but he that is not so much a christian as to intend to please god in the use of his estate you see two persons one is regular in public and private prayer the other is not 
now the reason of this difference is not this that the one has strength and power to observe prayer and the other has not but the reason is this that one intends to please god in the duties of devotion and the other has no intention about it now the case is the same in the right or wrong use of our time and money you see one person throwing away his time in sleep and idleness in visiting and diversions and his money in the most vain and unreasonable expenses you see another careful of every day dividing his hours by rules of reason and religion and spending all his money in works of charity now the difference is not owing to this that one has strength and power to do thus and the other has not but it is owing to this that one intends to please god in the right use of all his time and all his money and the other has no intention about it here therefore let us judge ourselves sincerely let us not vainly content ourselves with the common disorders of our lives the vanity of our expenses the folly of our diversions the pride of our habits the idleness of our lives and the wasting of our time fancying that these are such imperfections as we fall into through the unavoidable weakness and frailty of our natures but let us be assured that these disorders of our common life are owing to this that we have not so much christianity as to intend to please god in all the actions of our life as the best and happiest thing in the world so that we must not look upon ourselves in a state of common and pardonable imperfection but in such a state as wants the first and most fundamental principle of christianity viz an intention to please god in all our actions and if any one was to ask himself how it comes to pass that there are any degrees of sobriety which he neglects any practice of humility which he wants any methods of charity which he does not follow any rules of redeeming time which he does not observe his own heart will tell him that it is because he never intended to be so exact in those duties for whenever we fully intended it is as possible to conform to all this regularity of life as it is possible for a man to observe times of prayer so that the fault does not lie here that we desire to be good and perfect but through the weakness of our nature fall short of it but it is because we have not piety enough to intend to be as good as we can or to please god in all the actions of our life this we see is plainly the case of him that spends his time in sports when he should be at church it is not his want of power but his want of intention or desire to be there and the case is plainly the same in every other folly of human life she that spends her time and money in the unreasonable ways and fashions of the world does not do so because she wants power to be wise and religious in the management of her time and money but because she has no intention or desire of being so when she feels this intention she will find it as possible to act up to it as to be strictly sober and chaste because it is her care and desire to be so 
this doctrine does not suppose that we have no need of divine grace or that it is in our own power to make ourselves perfect it only supposes that through the want of a sincere intention of pleasing god in all our actions we fall into such irregularities of life as by the ordinary means of grace we should have power to avoid and that we have not that perfection which our present state of grace makes us capable of because we do not so much as intend to have it it only teaches us that the reason why you see no real mortification or self-denial no eminent charity no profound humility no heavenly affection no true contempt of the world no christian meekness no sincere zeal no eminent piety in the common lives of christians is this because they do not so much as intend to be exact and exemplary in their virtues end of chapter two recording by lucretia b